Hello and welcome back to Young Nostalgia, the podcast that takes a trip down memory lane from two guys that never lived it. I'm Nolan and as always, Big Ben is beside me 800 miles away in the same <laughs> studio and we thank you guys so much for joining us as we talk about our passion for the past while being young at heart. Another this month in music history for August coming towards you, episode 43. Kind of insane to think that 2018 is like getting towards the end half of the year, like it's already half over, and I'm like, what have I done with my life? <laughs> I, I was just thinking the same thing. It's like, holy cow, it's about to be August, and I've done nothing. <laughs> I go to work, and I come home, and I don't do anything in between. <laughs> yeah, same here. I, I go to work, I come home, and my pants come off, and then we record while I'm in my boxers. Yeah, he's actually naked right now. <laughs> ben, how you doing, dude? It's good to see you. Uh, I'm doing good. Well, I would say it's good to see you, but you're naked, so it's... Oh, my God. I am not. <laughs> uh, can we please edit the edit your sneeze back into the show? Uh, we're gonna... Yeah, well, it would have been in the show if Nolan hadn't screwed up his side of the recording and we had to restart. So <laughs> we, always have to, we always have to do three, two, one, record hit the R key on our keyboards to record at the same time. I hit the E key instead. And so while he was recording silence, he sneezed and I told him to, we need to stop this. And here we are. <laughs> yeah. Well, I use the mouse to click the little red record button so that there's no possibility that I can screw it up. <laughs> oh my God. I love how we podcast about our screw ups during our podcast, like the, the screw ups before we actually record. Because if we didn't say anything, everybody would think that we're as professional as it gets. Oh no, we can't let people assume that. <laughs> well, they've known us for 43 episodes. They they sure as, sure as heck know that we're rough around the edges a little bit. But anyway, episode 43 coming at you, and we're still the rough and raw guys as we always have been, and uh, still young, and talking about the things that we always appreciate. Without further ado, Ben, why don't you kick us off with August 1st back in 1981. <laughs> Okay, August 1st, 1981. (laughs) You have that excitement. MTV is seen in 2.1 million homes during its first day on the air. Which was vastly different than what MTV is now, which is mostly just drama TV shows, unfortunately. Yeah, I know. It's just reality TV shows. And uh, what's that one love that... uh, Flavor Flavor or whatever always had. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. Like, what yeah, the? I do. I can't remember what it is at all, but I know what you're talking about. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that song by Bowling for Soup when there was actually music on MTV, but anymore it's just not. Do yeah, you know, and, do you know off the top of your head what was the first music video? For some reason, I always feel like it was Dire Straits, Money for Nothing. Uh, you know, I think think you're that i want to say that's right but i'm not sure you kind of threw me a a curveball that i wasn't prepared for and i'm pretty sure you're right but i don't really know sounds right it is right yes we are always right (laughs) fantastic anyway go on you had a point to say i feel like no i did not you didn't oh i thought you were literally about to say something all right 
Well, we'll move on. Three days later, August 4th, 1958, Billboard magazine actually debuts its Hot 100 record list, which is actually really interesting because I think it was last month or the month before we talked about how the Billboard actually started chopping, uh, topping, dang it, charting top <laughs> top uh, songs in the U.S. And a lot, you know, Tommy Dorsey showed up quite a bit. But I think this is kind of interesting how it's almost over 10 years later and they finally actually started ranking the full albums rather than just the individual singles yeah i I don't know it just seems like something like that would kind of go hand in hand with you know the original theme of of doing that you know it's you know your albums it would definitely be an easier uh an easier metric to research just going straight on album sales or something like that rather than individual songs. Um, Oh, I don't know. It just seems like it would be easier to figure that, that you kind of would assume that, that uh, something like that would be the first to come out. And then they would come out with just, you know, single, uh, single tracks. Yeah, that's true. Also, I was really confused for a second when you said three days later, when it's actually like almost 20 years in the past. Oh, <laughs> I meant by day, day I know, wise. I know, <laughs> I know what you mean now, but I'm looking at it. I'm like, are we looking at the sh- at the, the same show notes? <laughs> Three days I, later, but 20 years in the past. Yeah. But also, I'm an, I'm an idiot. Uh, it was Video Killed the Radio Star by the Bugles was the first music video aired on MTV. I guess we nice. could have seen that coming, shouldn't we? Yeah, that's probably true. Did you get all slick and look it up when uh, I was talking or something? I did. I was trying to be sly without nope. uh, typing very hard or clicking very hard. <laughs> I mean, these microphones are so sensitive. You got to be any little movement. You can pick it up. We'd <laughs> hear you click clacking on the keyboard a mile away. <laughs> What's okay. up, big guy? Uh, okay. Four days later, on <laughs> August 8th, 1992. Almost 40 years in the future. <laughs> Metallica's James Hetfield is seriously burned on stage by pyrotechnics by a pyrotechnic tech by a pyrotechnics machine. Fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> Fire. No, man, dude, when I when I saw this, I thought this was so interesting. You know, a lot of times during live concerts you see, you know, that kind of glow in the dark tape and a lot of that, especially on like stairs and kind of where, you know, certain things are set up so then that way the um bandmates and then the the roadies or the groupies or whatever know how to set up the set right mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's actually like this kind of thing shows how important it is for the band and the venue to be well informed on how the band moves and what they're planning on doing and this is where they plan on going you know sometime throughout the show like this is truly important like it could have been as something as simple as you know like hey this area could cause, you know, hazard to yourself if you're in it at this certain time. Or it could be somebody completely messed up the angle of the pyrotechnics machine. You know what I mean? Like, but, like, that stuff is super, super like, important. Even hey, for, don't like, stand plays. here because you're going to get blasted by fireworks. Right? Yeah. I mean, obviously, like, you're kind of in the heat of the moment. And, you know, you might have forgotten what they told you 12 hours ago, depending on what kind of drugs you're using. But still... Yeah, it, is there uh, when you're looking this up? Was there any information on 
I mean, I'm assuming he didn't, you know, finish the show or anything like that, or was it at the end of the show? Uh, I didn't look too far into it. I'm just uh, curious I, I, because it, I'm just, I, I'm sorry. It just, I, it, I was just curious because I remember reading something about, I think it was Freddie Mercury hurt himself or something during a show and he ended up, you know, coming back out and finishing the show, just seated at his piano. Oh, okay. Like and almost I, like sprained an ankle or broke a leg or something. Yeah. Yeah. It was something like that. And I can't remember exactly what it was and I, I, I should, but, uh, yeah, uh, burns are obviously different than something like that. <laughs> yeah, and it but, says he was uh, seriously burned, so I, I highly doubt that he finished the show. But, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, I mean, in that kind of circumstance, you know, your adrenaline is probably pumping. You're in front of thousands of people. Yeah, there's a lot of drugs in your system. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> maybe maybe it was just a, a way to detox or something. Oh, yeah, that's true. I'm sure they'd uh, wake you up pretty quick. <laughs> God, that's terrible. August right. 9th, 1964, the Rolling Stones performed in Manchester in front of an unruly crowd. So it wasn't necessarily the Stones itself that caused this, but later on throughout the concert, uh, the concert concluded with a policeman having ribs broken and another two officers fainted by being trampled uh, from the crushing crowd. So it was just kind of the combination of you know whatever people are drinking and what have you and kind of the amped upness and electrified stadium it was um you know it's always interesting there's studies out there and you know videos and all this other stuff about why people react the way they do um you know in big crowds like that it only takes like one minor trigger and then everyone just like it's like a domino effect Right. Playing are you playing Where's Waldo behind your mic? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just no. No, I wasn't doing anything. Uh yeah, well, we've talked about this a little bit before, and I can't remember the venue and I can't remember the show. Um, so you know, I don't know how relevant the point's gonna be. But uh we've talked about unruly crowds getting either uh bands or just rock concerts in general banned from venues. Um, yeah. Just because of the nature of the crowds. You know, all it takes is one bad experience like that and t- for a venue to be like, hey, yeah, we're not interested in this anymore. You know, you got, <laughs> we're not having this. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm pretty sure. Ruins it for the, everybody. I'm pretty sure the Grateful Dead had their name attached to that because I know they, their name has come up a lot in terms of, uh, you know, interesting things happening at live concerts for them. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I, I remember. I mean, I think I remember hearing about it, but I also remember. I think we talked about it in previous shows. Um, and it's just a shame something like that happens, and then it just ruins it for uh, other people, including other acts that aren't necessarily going to have the same uh, rowdy crowd, but they're yeah. still not allowed to perform there. Exactly. Um, because exactly. Of that. And kind of the venue changes the way they look at that kind of genre of music, maybe because mm-hmm. they don't want to. They don't want that happening again so yeah exactly very good point all right right, so moving forward august 10th 1972 paul and linda mccartney are arrested backstage in sweden after being caught with six ounces of marijuana the couple spotted bail at a gigantic twelve (laughs) hundred (laughs) dollars yeah this 
this point was just so interesting to me. I mean, $1,200 back then isn't that much, especially if you're Paul and Linda McCartney. Like, that's yeah. nothing. Well, I and mean, then, it like, still was 1972. I mean, it was a lot more money. I mean, now, look at it now. I mean, it's it's a lot, but it's nothing that somebody like that wouldn't just cut a check for on the spot. <laughs> right. Here, <laughs> let me just pull some change out of my back pocket. <laughs> yeah. Here, keep the change. He hands him a stack <laughs> yeah. of hundreds. yeah but six ounces of marijuana dude i don't know part of that something about that just doesn't surprise me at all (laughs) (laughs) no it doesn't nothing about that point nothing about this whole that whole paragraph in the the show notes just nope just doesn't surprise me (laughs) Well, if you think about it, marijuana is probably the least harmful that they've ever experimented with. Anyway, I want oh, to know definitely. if they were actually—I want to know if they were actually smoking it at the time of arrest. Like, but I mean, we've even talked about how uh, those people of like the Who and all that, um, or Def Leppard, that got like arrested backstage, like while a concert was going on. <laughs> You know what I mean? Where it's like you know whether they're taking they're taking a short intermission or they left and then people are cheering encore and then they just don't come out. Like, what would you do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you supposed to send a a roadie or something out there and be like, hey? So the band was arrested. So you guys <laughs> c- should probably all just go home. <laughs> yeah, it's like no encore this time. Like, I want to know how long people waited before they like knew they're not coming back out yeah well i mean if you think about it normally if someone doesn't end up coming back out for an encore then they're kind of the same yeah that's true it is kind of the same (laughs) man all right (laughs) so our facetime call just dropped and yeah we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna splice that together the best we can you might not be able to even (laughs) tell unless you know you listen to us telling you about it. So, uh. <laughs> That's true. All right. So I'm going to move on to the next point. Uh, August 11th, 1966. John Lennon apologized for his remark that Datebook magazine published in which Lennon states Christianity is in the decline and the Beatles were more popular than Jesus. So after a string of anti-Beatles demonstrations, the remark actually ended the Beatles touring career altogether. And I know this has been a huge staple, not necessarily a staple, but it's like, a big talking point when you're talking about, you know, coming towards the middle to the beginning of, you know, the decline of the Beatles in terms of live, live appearances and that kind of thing. Um, obviously, the Beatles are always popular, but you know, this kind of thing kind of turned a lot of people off really quickly. Yeah, and something about that—it's just like, why would you say that? Like you, any <laughs> common sense, you know. Any 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 rational thought beforehand on that would say, yeah, this is going to really rile people up. And that's obviously what it is. I mean, that's yeah. why people say that sort of thing. It's, it's just to make a point, you know. But it's at the same time, it's like, I don't know, if it, you think forward and like, is this going to work out good for me in the future or not? I don't know, maybe mm-hmm. hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, looking back on that, but... Uh, I don't know. Sometimes it's just I. I wonder why people say these kind of things and like why. 
Why don't you just, <laughs> why don't you just not say stuff like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Yeah. I know. But I mean, you can almost see kind of the shift of the Beatles themselves in terms of like the, the, the change and fostering of a new different culture that wasn't necessarily mainstream at the time. Oh like yeah. You'll I mean, see like Sergeant Pep, Sergeant Peppers come out and that kind of thing where like they're more of different forward thinking kind of different style of, of, of presentation, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they, for a while, they were the flagship of the 60s counterculture. Yeah. I mean, it's, they, that, that's, that's what you, th- I mean, that's one of the first things you think of is the Beatles and their overall transition. Um, and so, you know, this remark uh, goes, you know, hand in hand right with that. Um, and, and, you know, around this time as they were starting to, to kind of slide into that, uh, culture, you know, there was already some pushback anyway, specifically from, uh, some older generations, uh, that, you know, that weren't, you know, I, <laughs> I'll say against the counterculture, which is kind of, <laughs> you know, two negatives, I get double negative, I guess. But, uh, and you know, and that was something like, this is just kind of icing on the cake for that whole, uh, attitude. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, man. Okay. August August 12th, 1994, over 350,000 people attend Woodstock 2 in Saugerties, New York. I hope I didn't butcher that because I've never heard of Saugerties, New York. Yeah, me neither. But I mean, I think I think this is just interesting to see the amount of growth and popularity that Woodstock gained after the first one. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it definitely needed to take that long to have another one. So either the same people forgot about it or it was different people involved. Um, just because not because of not because it wasn't a great show, but just because of all the other crap that was going on that went along with Woodstock, you know, the the muddy mess yeah. and the drugs and all, you know. <laughs> right. I don't know. It just well, it's fitting that it was is 20 that, years later, 30 years later. Right. Um it's actually <laughs> interesting that uh in, in a few points there's actually be another thing related to Woodstock, but the first Woodstock and it's going to be an interesting factoid for sure to kind of go along with the crap that you just said yeah. <laughs> but you, you'll you'll understand the connection here in a little bit august 14th 1970 stephen stills from crosby stills and nash is arrested for possessing cocaine and barbiturates after he's found crawling along a hotel hallway in la jola california <laughs> so i mean you know what it, it's it's always hard because of these people you know like the artists you know kind of being sucked into this where it's like you got to take uppers to get up after you take your downers the night before and you know what i mean it just kind of leads to bigger and worse drugs and it's kind of hard to get out of that cycle and it's kind of sad to see but i mean you know looking out you know 50 years later you know you just got to have that picture in their mind that you see crosby stills uh stephen stills excuse me just crawling along a hallway in a hotel i know and it's you know, to think about it, that the the vicious cycle that drags people like this down, you know, it's not funny. But you know, looking at it, what is it, thirty eight years ago? 
um it's now just thinking about it it, it is funny at you know like it's, it's like, <laughs> like it's not because there's still people that have problems and it's still a problem today but it's still like you can't help but laugh at stuff like this um <laughs> he's you know, crawling you, you gotta you watch anytime you watch cops or live pd i really you know been watching that show a lot recently and you see this kind of stuff all the time where someone's just walking down the street and they look just insane out of their mind you know um <laughs> yeah yeah that's true that's true <laughs> you just you, it's not funny but you can't help but laugh <laughs> uh, yeah i know okay august 15th 1975 peter gabriel announces his departure from genesis the group then auditions more than 400 artists for the new headman. <laughs> My goodness! Uh, before before ultimately deciding on Phil Collins. There we Inter- go, man. Interviewing I mean, 400 I, people. I know until they found Phil Collins. Out of all of them, Phil Collins was it. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Yeah. But I mean, I, I enjoy Peter Gabriel just as his self as well. Like, I, I'm not really too familiar with Genesis when Peter Gabriel was around. Obviously, I associate Phil Collins with Genesis. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, Peter Gabriel by himself has some really good tunes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> it's all you. Anything else, Big? <laughs> okay, nope. All right. <laughs> <laughs> August 16th, 1957, Buddy Holly and the Crickets perform at the Apollo Theater in Harlem, and they were subsequently booed off the stage. (laughs) 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 And I think it was just because of that style of music did not sit well with the people at the crowd. Like, I don't think what happened was that these people, you know, went to this theater and were ready to see some classy, you know, kind of swing, maybe, you know, big band style music. And then here comes Buddy Holly. Mm -hmm. uh, And they're kind of like, what (laughs) is this? Yeah. And I I was right as you're, as you're reading that, I was thinking, you know, if that's not what you like, then why did you go? But then I started thinking, you know, the the people that are are unhappy with it, they're probably the people that go regularly, regardless oh. of who's playing. That's just what they do for fun, with and it's without even thinking about who's there, just expecting to see the same kind of things they've always been seeing. And then when they come out on stage and start playing, it's like, what the heck? what the heck is this? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. That's Which, true. I don't know. I mean, I would like it, but you know, I guess in 1957 that wasn't uh by any means, you know, the mainstream, you know, especially people who are going to the Apollo Theater. Um so, when, I guess once you think about it, it kind of makes sense. It's still funny. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it is it is still funny. Uh <laughs> okay, so another important thing that happened on August 16th was back in 1977, Elvis Presley Elvis Presley was found uh, dead in his Graceland, um, at Graceland, which was his Memphis, Tennessee mansion. Um, And a lot of that was kind of due to, you know, what we've talked about before in terms of, uh, you know, the the drugs in and out of his system. I mean, Elvis Presley was so big. He was just a huge entertainment guy that, you know, he was giving and going and doing and leaving and, 
you know, doing all this other stuff, you know, with hours of each other and, you know, didn't have any time to be able to let his body settle down and, and, and kind of get back to who Elvis Presley really was is, you know, his individual self outside of the stage. Um, it, you know, kind of a sad, sad time. Yeah. And, and, you know, like you were saying, maybe he actually did because, you know, as, as we heard, you know, in the, uh, well-known, uh, documentary, uh, men in black, uh, Elvis isn't dead. He just went home. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> uh, good movie. So, I mean, everyone knows that. <laughs> so August 17th, 1995, Microsoft buys the rights to Rolling Stones, uh, 1981 single start me up um in which in order to use as this theme for their windows 1995 software um which at the time was incredibly revolutionary yeah um and i do have a little bit of experience with windows 95 messing around with old computers and it is it's straight garbage compared to (laughs) what we have now it's so terrible yeah but I think it's extremely funny that the Rolling Stones had that, you know, history intertwined with it. Like, I don't really know if they had much of a say or anything like that. But Well, if they bought sure the rights, they then they can do, you know, Microsoft can do whatever they want with it. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't matter I wonder what if they, they still have the. I wonder if they still have the rights to that song. Like, I want them to do, like, a retro reboot and having a nice polished like modern version of windows 95 like i want the old blocky off white taskbar <laughs> and, and the uh, like the super pixelated windows logo <laughs> yes yes i want that i want that real bad well they should have they should have done it advertising like just windows 10 or something in 2015 oh yeah that's true maybe just like a maybe, 20 year anniversary right yeah yeah that's yeah. That's a good idea. All right. Uh, so here is the point that kind of tracks back to Woodstock. So August nineteenth, nineteen sixty nine, crews bulldoze the trash left from the debut of Woodstock. The trash was piled into a big pit and subsequently burned. So the total cost of the cleanup of the entire the debut of Woodstock is upwards of one hundred thousand dollars just for the cleanup. Like they had bulldoze crews there. To clean up all the mess. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, it, <laughs> I wonder I wonder how many overdosed bodies ended up in that trash. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> it sounds horrible, but I thought of it and I'm like, oh that's like kind of funny, but not. And then I got to thinking about it and I'm like, what <laughs> It's not altogether not plausible, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure that one hundred thousand dollars include the cleanup of any remnants. <laughs> yeah, I, I would hope so. Um, <laughs> including, including your medical personnel. That yeah, that that could be very true. Don't take the brown acid. <laughs> All right, man. Oh let's, boy, let's, let's move on from this point. God. Yeah, that kind of went that went south real quick. There got a little dark. <laughs> well, you had to bring it up. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> August twenty second, nineteen ninety eight, at a show in Anaheim, California, comedian Jim Carrey. 
joins Elton John <laughs> on stage to perform Rocket Man. Uh, and the the song ended, of course, with Carrie doing his normal ridiculous stuff and uh, smashing his head into the keys of the piano. <laughs> um, the idea was sparked by Elton John as he flew in with a group of friends that included um, Carrie, Hugh Grant, and Elizabeth Hurley. But <laughs> that's <laughs> can you, I mean, you could just totally see that. Like, oh if yeah, if you look just, up pictures of it, he just looks like it almost looks like Jim Carrey has like a huge grown-out mullet, and he's up there on stage with Elton John. And there, uh, there's just nothing about Jim Carrey that isn't just over the top and ridiculous all the yeah. time. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> Good golly. <laughs> Good golly. What a phrase, Ben. What a phrase. Uh, <laughs> okay. August 23rd, 2007. Queen's Brian May receives a PhD in astrophysics. Now, hmm. that's pretty cool. It is I don't cool. really have much more to go on that. but I don't either, other than saying that I do find it interesting when celebrities have either other talents or their other career opportunities. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, for sure. Uh, you know, actors and actresses that you read about and that either before acting or after acting or while they were acting, they're involved with re, uh, Hedy Lamar. We talked about um, yep, her advancements yep. in science and or even if it's, uh, you know, even just simple stuff like just any sort of skilled trade, you know, and then they decide to start acting and they're a famous actor or vice versa. They leave acting like, Oh my goodness. Uh, I read it a while back, and darn it, if I can't remember his name, come on. He was in uh, Ghostbusters. He played the nerdy, you know, neighbor down the hall, and uh, he was in a bunch of other stuff, like kids' movies. I think he was in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, maybe. Oh, I you know, know who I'm talking, talking about. about? Uh, yeah, yeah, I know the actor. Yes, and I, gosh darn, I can't remember his name. Well, I read, I, I've read before that he. Uh, he left acting when his mom was diagnosed with cancer, I think, and he went back to like his old job. There was some sort of sickness or family emergency or something like that, and he left acting. And that's why you don't hear much about him is because he just left it to go back and work his old job for just a consistent income and help help out with his family and help support his family um, wow. through, through that. And I'm pretty sure it was an illness of his mother that caused that, but... Uh, Darn it. I can't remember his name. That's okay. I can talk for a little bit if you want to look it up. But, I mean, it's so it's so interesting to know, like, you know, these people are just regular people. You know, like, they have multiple different talents. And, like, I, I want to see Brian May apply and get a job at NASA. Like, I, I want to see, I want to see that happen. Like, I want... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, that would be, that would make it, even better you know if he you know if he did something i i don't know that he didn't do anything with that but uh 
I don't know. You, you don't yeah. hear much about it if he did. I, you know, I, I could totally be off base with that. Like, I want to see pictures of Bill, um, Brian May, like, strumming a guitar while looking at a telescope. <laughs> yeah, he's combining them. Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis. Yes. Yes. And there's something about that guy to where I really like him, but I can absolutely not remember his name ever. His his name came up in trivia last week, I remember. Interesting. Oh, really? Okay. You go to, tri- you go to uh, trivia I, I think... Uh, try to every oh. Thursday. I'm not very good at it. I usually <laughs> go for like... Sometimes you get the bonus question, then you get free beer. So, oh sweet! I bet yeah. these uh, you, we'd keep doing these this month. This month in history is long enough. I I guarantee you'll start finding some uh, trivia questions. Yeah, I know. We're probably helping people out all over the world. Yeah, we're just doing a service here. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay, whose turn is it? I'm totally lost. Yours, y- your turn. Okay. <laughs> August 25th, 1970, Elton John begins a 17-night residency at the Troubadour in West Hollywood. Um, And these are the concerts that totally catapulted him into stardom um, after he was introduced to label mate Neil Diamond. Attendees at his first show included Quincy Jones, Leon Russell, and Don Henley. Um, And this... I don't know. We've we've hashed this out uh, plenty of times on the uh, specifically on the Elton John special episode, um, and I don't know. This his rise to stardom was so so fast. You oh know? yeah. I mean, he oh, went yeah. from playing in bars to just instant fame. Fame, which is yep. Uh, really awesome i mean and his style is so eccentric and unique uh i think it just really caught on especially because of his you know eye and ear for music mm-hmm. uh, i think a lot of people couldn't help but notice that especially at this huge of a, huge of a performance um it, it really was just the catalyst for elton john becoming sir elton john in the future <laughs> yeah and you know I, I we've talked about it before i got to bring it up again how awesome the you know the story of him and bernie writing yeah. and composing the music i mean they were just amazing how they would sit down and just crank it out yep within half hour hour yeah it was you know it's like just, here here's some lyrics and you know he would throw down music for him and just over and over and over and over i mean it was, they were like a machine you know I pumping know. out just, songs abundantly talented like out of this world talent and it's amazing yeah um definitely well deserved with all the praise and the fame that they have achieved so ending out august for this month in music history there was actually a significant amount of highly sought after bands and musicians that actually performed in the red rocks amphitheater throughout the month so this is actually just west of denver colorado um and the the red rocks amphitheater is actually pretty well known for bringing uh big name acts as well as just the scenery that the amphitheater holds like it's it's literally almost carved into rock um and it's kind of surrounded by these big rock kind of sculptures i don't know what to say but just like you know rock formations. Big rocks yeah rock formations that's perfect that's amazing they've even found dinosaur you know remnants in these rocks like fossilized 
dinosaurs and all this other kind of history there. So so it's a pretty cool place. That's that's sweet. That makes it even that much cooler. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to run down a list of popular names that performed here during August. In 1973, John Denver appeared. 1967, the Mamas and the Papas played. 1969, Diana Ross and the Supremes made an appearance. 1962, Ray Charles came along. 1957, Louis Armstrong rocked the uh, Red Rocks Amphitheater. In 1964, the Beatles had their chance to hold everyone's hand in the in the uh, amphitheater. <laughs> wow. I'm wow. really trying to come up with unique sayings every time I say somebody new. And this one actually is really <laughs> kind of cool. Um, so in 2004, the Beatles tribute band 1964, which has gained a lot of popularity and momentum, um, actually performed in the Red Rocks amphitheater exactly 40 years after Paul, John, George, and Ringo made their appearance there in 1964. So I think that's actually really, really pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan of the the tribute band thing. Like, I you know, I understand it's cool, and we're getting to a point where if you want to go to a live show, you pretty much have to go to a tribute band, and in, in some cases, um, but this particular one is pretty cool. How it's you know down to the year, um, almost like a, a 40 year anniversary of them being there, which is pretty right. cool. Right. And then rounding us out is uh, the Grateful Dead back in 1978. And that's what we got. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of end on a slow note because neither of us, every time we bring up the Grateful Dead, we never have anything to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) We should have slid them in there before the Beatles so we could have a little bit to talk about the end of the show on. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a wrap. Thank you guys so much for joining us at Young Nostalgia this week as we continue our journey through retro pop culture as always if you enjoy the show please leave a kind review on apple podcasts or wherever you listen we're out there on spotify podbean stitcher google play wherever your favorite podcast app is please leave us a kind review and rate as well as share with all your friends and subscribe we love to know that you're out there listening um our our listener base has grown exponentially and it's fantastic to see it we're out over there in europe a lot on the east coast of the united states down in florida up through the carolinas and pennsylvania maryland you're spiking up that pretty good it's great to have you guys here with us thank you guys so much so if you we want to hear from you our listeners since our podcast is growing um, it's great to have you guys here with us we want to know what you guys are thinking and what you want to know more about ben or i so if there's anything that you want to know just give us a shout out anything with your opinions, anything, questions, things you want us to talk about on the show, give us an email at youngnostalgia2017 at gmail.com. You can also give us a shout out on our social media accounts on Facebook and Twitter. We're out there. Uh, You'll find us on our Podbean page, you'll see our social media banners there that you can click um, and it'll take you there and feel free to tweet at us or Facebook message us any of your questions or anything that you'd like. If you got a future topic for the show or you'd like to be on with Ben and I, give us an email again at youngnostalgia2017 at gmail.com. I think that pretty much ends my spiel after uh, ramble on for a little bit. Ben, anything else, big guy? <laughs> no, no, no. You know, well, you know, I want to back up just a little bit. And one thing that I noticed looking at our our overall uh, show growth, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of <laughs> happy about, is I think it's cool. We are now at the point, and we've been, we okay, we've been there for I think a month or two, but where 
our our home states right now are not the most downloaded states anymore. Not that they've dropped any. Not that they've dropped any in their downloads, um, in their their it, or lessen their growth. But it's just other states are popping up. States that we have no connection to, um, which is it's always good to see. That means that people are actually out there sharing our show, and uh, you know not not just keeping it to themselves. Yeah, agreed. And it's great to have you all here. And we really want to hear from you guys. Listener mail is super encouraged. And we'd love to uh, kind of share who we are and why we are doing Young Nostalgia with you as well. So give us an email if you can. And give us a rate and subscribe if you'd like to as well. Well, that pretty much ends out episode 43. That was your month in music history for August. As we always say here on Young Nostalgia. Keep the bottles empty and the ashtrays full. Take care, everybody.